Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. We are live in Austin, Texas. Yeah, came down for another fine march. Glad you did. Yeah, that's right. And we have a special voice here with us today. And this is our friend, Mr. Victor Hidalgo. How's Hello. it going, Vic? It's going fine. Hello, everyone. So uh, Vic is the uh, one of the masterminds behind the showcase we come down and play every year in March, the Music Madness ATX Festival. And uh, it's several days of music. Vic, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, Um MMATX started back in 2007, you know, when I uh, met you guys in 06, and we've managed to put on a show for the last, uh, now 10 years. Uh, we just celebrated 10-year anniversary, so... Uh, Congratulations. Yes. Oh, thank you. Just a very fine show it was. Over the span of 10 years, we've met a lot of great bands, and um, yeah, so they come back and play, and uh, we all have a fabulous time. Yeah. We sure do. It was a good time, and let's not forget, we're also speaking on the day of wendy's birthday oh yeah happy birthday happy birthday wendy 21 feels good doesn't it it? it feels amazing (laughs) so um but yeah so we played the showcase on saturday night after working our way down here through cincinnati nashville new orleans which were all really fun stops where mm -hmm. we um checked out some some haunted places and shared some of that history and played some music and the finale of the tour was Saturday night, and we had a live stream, which was at musicmadnessatx.com. Yes, it was. And that feed is still available for people to, to check out, right? It is. It's archived at musicmadnessatx.com. Click on the uh, watch live, and then on day four, poster. And it's the last hour of the event. And so if you guys, uh, we played uh, music from our new release, which is all stuff that we wrote for the podcast in the past few months. So if you've been enjoying the songs that are, are at the end of the podcast, you're going to want to check that um, check that out, and you can watch uh, Wendy and I and our guitar player Ben performing those songs live for you from the Music Madness ATX.com website. And uh, we also have uh, a new release coming from those songs. That's right. Uh, in just a couple of weeks. And that's right. And uh, so Vic, thanks for having us back all these years. Yeah, we really appreciate it. How did you feel about the ten year show? Showcase. Well, you know, it was a it was a fun event. Of course, you know, you guys know y'all do put together a lot of events yourselves, and it's a lot of work. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, we're a two man operation, and uh, we're glad that you know all our sponsors, you know, Tops Office Furniture and uh, Nature's Treasures and Topo Chico and Hard Rock Energy Drink, they all came on board and were a big part of it. So. I'm always, glad always to always appreciate that. Glad to have that type of support, you know, for yeah. our, our event, and um, I can pretty much say it was a success. Excellent. Yeah, we think so too. We we got to watch a lot of good music. We got to perform, um, and also we're gonna be taking some of those hard rock energy drinks with us home yes. for the uh, twenty hour drive back to Madison <laughs> today. We'll be chugging those babies. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So another fun thing, real quick, before we get to the meat of the podcast here, is that. Um, so we were talking about some of the haunted stories and the, and the weird stuff that we collected on the way down. And so what Vic's like, uh, he, he asked about something, um, what was one of the most interesting stories. And then I proceeded to talk about Tiny Town, which is something uh, we, we found in Cincinnati. That's right, yeah. And he's like, San Antonio, we had the same thing. What was it called? Midget Mansion. And, and this was, it's a, it was a, it's a small house. It looked like a, 
I mean, a little mansion for little, I mean, for little people, right? It just, yes. I built, it was to scale. Like everything was to scale so that it was an appropriate sized house for smaller people. And my favorite part of the story is that it was originally built by a, a little actor who had made his name in Hollywood or, you know, made his fortune in Hollywood, probably in the Wizard of Oz, I would guess. That would have something to do with it. And then he came back, but they built the house small, but it would always hire regular sized servants to make him suffer. Right. And, and treated them horribly. Right. And so then one day he goes, uh, one of the servants can't take it and kills the family. And that's the, the story behind it. Um, and then people say that you can hear, you know, gunshots and screaming and stuff. And you used to visit there? As a kid, we used to, the property was abandoned. Uh, I believe a fire uh, pretty much closed down that property. So the legend lived in San Antonio. So we uh, we would go over there at night and you know try to scare each other by <laughs> those things are, see those... who could walk the furthest into the house. But nothing ever happened, of course. No blood on the walls or anything like no, that. No, it was or... just a bunch of raccoons running around. It's funny how those places <laughs> are like magnets for kids. Kids always want to go and check out the, the scary places like that. Well, I know I did. We had the place in Wisconsin called Haunchyville, oh, which yeah. I think I've talked about on the yeah. podcast before, where it was the same kind of thing. And I, the fascination with the, with little people, dwarves and, and stuff, mm-hmm. um, maybe because when you're a kid, you feel closer to them or something like that. I don't or, know. They're always enchanted characters, which I know was ableist or whatever, but um, that's just how they're done. So... Uh, anyway, it was fun to talk about a little, share some weird stories, <laughs> have a good time. Uh, this episode, I'm interviewing astrologer Jeff Harmon, who's got some interesting takes by reading the stars of all the different presidential candidates' birth dates cool. and things like that. So this is our election special focusing on astrology. Excellent. <laughs> and this is a first for See You on the Other Side podcast, and we have a astrologer on the show and i and i'm excited about this particular episode because uh, i want to get into what the stars might have to say about the election coming up and, and so we have with us uh astrological and spiritual consultant jeff Harmon, coming from uh calabasas california hi jeff how you doing i'm doing great I'm doing real good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. I, I think it's going to be fun. I don't know, outside of the basics about astrology, I don't know anything about it besides what you see on like the Chinese, you know, placemats at the restaurants and then what you see, <laughs> right. what you see in the newspaper. And uh, also, right. Je- Jeff and I were talking before the show, and he's a Wisconsin guy too. So where did you grow up, Jeff? I actually grew up in uh, northern Wisconsin, a little place called Saner. It's right in between Eagle River and Manaqua. Okay. Saner, Wisconsin, and uh, was on Lost Lake. So that, that's how I got into astrology was back in the 70s. I, I, actually, it'll, it's just over 40 years now. It was 1975. My mother, I, I was driving at the time, and my mother was uh, absolutely calling the girlfriend's to the T. And I said, wait a minute, this is not mother's intuition. I said, how are you doing this? And, and she started showing me, she, you know, she would get, you know, the girl's card. Not that I had that many girlfriends, but you know, Enough. when I would go out with a girl, she would, she would get her birthday and, and run her stuff. And, and she was amazingly accurate. And I said, well, I want to learn this. You know, I was pretty skeptical at the time. I, I really didn't believe astrology worked. And, um, and every time I still think that it, it always proves me wrong. So your mom like ran the actual like she'd have charts and stuff like that. 
Yeah, well, back then it was BC before computers, you know, so right. she would do it by hand. And when, when I learned it, it was all by hand. And um, it, it was really fascinating. It, it, it was very intriguing. And you and I were talking before the show. Um, I also had a recording studio where I was doing filming and we were doing uh, commercials. Uh, of course, the Midwest is rich with commercials mm -hmm. and industrial films. And I did a lot back then. And uh, all during that time, I was still doing astrology. And, and I always found it interesting because the more I did it, by the time I got into the 80s, I was getting fairly proficient at it. And uh, I would look at why is this guy a graduate of Berkeley College of Music and the next guy's, you know, down in the break room smoking pot, you know. <laughs> um, it, it would be just interesting to look at people's energies and profiles. But I think the biggest thing was the ancient astrology. Modern, and you had mentioned earlier, you know, the placemats and the restaurants and, and the sun sign stuff. Right. That's what I call love, light, and cluelessness. It's it's fun, but it's not really accurate. The, the ancient stuff, particularly like Nadi astrology, uh, it's also known as Vedic astrology. Okay, what, wait, what'd you call it? Because at first you made it, it sounded to me like Nadi astrology. And I'm like, well, I want to no, know no, a little Nadi, bit more about Nadi. No, no, okay. N-A-D-I, Nadi. Okay. It's, it's uh, the Nadi palm leaves and also Jyotish astrology. These are strange words that are used in India. Uh, that are a Sanskrit derivative. And most people know it today as Vedic astrology, V-E-D-I-C. And it's an astounding science because it actually is a science. It doesn't, um, what I love about it is it doesn't treat you as your astrology. It treats you as a spiritual being having a physical experience who may have actually created the time you came in. And um, that's what I love, the ancient Kabbalah, the ancient Egyptian stuff, the, the ancient Vedantic stuff, which is where the Nadi comes from, is, is amazing stuff. It, it really is. It, it looks at, I always say, forget Trinity, Neo, and Morpheus. This may be the real matrix because you see how accurate it is. And, and I have a lot of clients these days who are in psychology, psychiatry, and they're they're really amazed at its accuracy. And and I am too. And, and I, when my mother first showed it to me, I was a skeptic. And I, I actually was a skeptic even in the 80s. But the more I tested it, the more I've used it, the more I've seen its validity. You know, you, even my father, who doesn't believe in it at all, he's, he's I, I told him a few years ago, I said, watch your money. He goes, yeah, 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 you and that astrology crap. And then sure enough, he lost a whole bunch of money. He goes, you know, every time you tell me that it's accurate, I said, well, it is. Well, you know, you were talking about the sun signs. And for the people who might not be, uh, you know, familiar with everything, but they, they are familiar, you know, everybody's seen the thing where it's like, well, I'm a Scorpio, baby. And, you know, what's your sign and, and, and things like that. And, and here's a tip. If you're listening and you use a fake ID, know your sign on the fake ID. That's just a quick tip for you. I learned from a bouncer one time. He's like, oh, I always ask. If, I'm, if I don't know about their age, I always ask them their astrological sign. And the people who, it's their real ID, will know it right away. And then the people who have no idea what probably their birthday even is on the fake ID they'll immediately fumble for it. But I'd like to explain real quick for people who may not be completely familiar. So what's the difference between the sun sign stuff that you might see in the newspaper uh, or see online when you're checking into your Yahoo or Google now or whatever, and then the kind of, you said, you know, Vedic and Yodish and Kabbalah and um, different astrolocation astrology that, that you're more into? Well, it's, it's, 
huge. And I don't think you can define it really simply, but I would say this way that, um, well, first off, in, in Jyotish or Vedic astrology, you may not even be the same sun sign. Oftentimes, people who are Geminis are Tauruses or, you know, it, it totally changes. And the reason why is it uses different zodiacs. And it's much more mathematical and complex than, than sun sign astrology. And, and again, it's looked at from a whole different viewpoint. And when I, when I really started getting respect for astrology was when I broke into the older stuff. When I say older, I'm saying pre-1600, pre-1700. That's where the rubber really hit the road. There was this huge body of knowledge, a very cohesive body of knowledge that came out of Egypt, the Holy Land, Babylonia, all that. Um, Though a lot of scholars dispute that, but we have actual historical documentation to prove it. Um, there was stuff going on in Alexandria, Egypt, two, three hundred BC that was amazing, astounding astrology. I mean, way more advanced than anything I've seen come out in the last hundred years. So, what were they That's using a- then? I mean, we're used to that whole with the sun sign is like you're born on a certain day, and these are you know this is the position of the constellation in, in the sky. So then, what what kind of stuff would they use that that was different, like? Was it positions well, of certain it's, it's stars? Technique. Was it positions it's, of the Earth? Oh well, yeah, that, it's a lot of stuff. In in Vedic astrology, there's three different zodiacs. You have a sidereal system, which is where the central sun is, and our solar system's going around. Then you have a lunar zodiac, and you also have the tropical zodiac. All, all three are used. And again, this stuff is is way too complex to talk about in a brief radio show. But mm-hmm. I, I can tell you that. What I do with clients and readings, and, and it's amazing, the internet today, I log people right into my computer when I do a reading, and they literally can sit and see what I'm pointing to, and they get it. They, they understand it. It's a much more sacred science, and, and again, they looked at it totally different than modern astrology from a spiritual standpoint as well as a technical. From a spiritual standpoint, it, no one ever said you were your astrology in ancient times. It just didn't go that way. Okay. It was more looking at as an energetic influence. And I personally think when you, if you believe that we have souls and that we're spiritual beings having a physical experience, that's really where this stuff shines. And the cycles uh, that you see, see modern astrologers use a lot of progressions and transits. Vedic astrology uses some really interesting techniques that are based off the moon. It's believed that the moon, and, and it's the closest sphere to the earth, is the final place that a soul passes through before being tied into the body. And there's some interesting things in the ancient Talmudic and Babylonian uh, and, and Kabbalistic documents that, in my opinion, validate why that stuff happens. The Egyptians were very into this stuff too. And, and long story short, once you start seeing how it works, you, you, you begin to understand the sun sign stuff. There's millions of people born every single month right. with the sun in the same sign. My God, it's not in the same degree. And then you take the ascendant, which is the eastern horizon, which is constantly changing. There's no two charts alike. It's virtually impossible. So to lop someone into a sun sign is, is like saying all, all cars that are red are fast and all that are blue are slow. Well, that just isn't true. So it gets a little more specific to the person. And, you know, you're talking uh, a about a lot more. So when you're talking about um, 
you know, astrology say like, well, I told my father to watch his money and that was the year the stock market, you know, went poorly or whatever. So it's, is it? Actually, it wasn't that. He he lost an investment. Oh, okay. And and so is it more about predetermination or is it more about the atmosphere and like that, that things are predestined to happen or is it about the, uh, you know, here's our, the, the omens point to something, do, do you think? Well, that's a really good question. And I'll tell you what I, you know, the report card is not ever going to be in on that 100%. But I would say that it's, in my opinion, at this point in my life, I think it's influences. Call it karma is a better word. In the ancient Kabbalah, they called it tikkun. That's what it means in Aramaic, which essentially it's influences. It's influences of energies that are coming at one. And it's kind of like an airline pilot flying. If they don't heed what the radar says, they're probably going to have a real bad day. Um, If they do and adjust their approach accordingly, they're probably going to fly without incident. It's the same way. It's it's like vectors. If you've ever studied vectors um, in science, there's forces that act upon us all. Now, the logicians will always say, well, if you know, you keep your uh, things in order, your life in order, your finances, your love life, all that, nothing bad's going to happen, but it does. It happens all the time. And the astrology really accurately shows this through what we call transits, progressions, and, and various changes. Like location astrology is amazing. I mean, you, you change your location, you will change your energy. And some of it's amazingly good, and some of it's very challenging. So it's like a radar report. Can you navigate bad stuff? Absolutely. And you'll probably navigate it a lot better than had you not known it was there. It's, it's like the Mack truck approaching the, the, uh, the stop sign. He was supposed to stop, but he didn't. You know, And you had a green light. But if you knew it was there, you'd probably hit the brakes. You see what I'm saying? Right. So it's, it's kind of like that. It's really not predicting the future. It's looking at energies that are in play and in force. And when, again, you're more informed, you tend to have a much, much better reaction. And I think that's the golden power right there is, is reaction. When you think about, you know, astrology, and it's not just the position of the stars. So, like, how many, you talked about vectors, and we're talking about the, uh, you know, all of the different things that go into doing a reading, um, I mean, besides birth date and degree, I mean, so your average reading when you were, you know, doing somebody or you're looking for a business or um, you're doing consulting for something, how many factors do you think, you know, come into that? I mean, just to say outside of someone's birth date, you know, they want to know the complexity of creating an astrological chart for something. How many factors on average do you think you would use for like a personal reading? Oh, there's quite a few. I actually, over the years, have developed a sheet that I fill in that basically looks at all the Vedic astrology, the cycles, the transits, etc., and progressions. And then I look at astral location, transits, cycles, and progressions. And then I look at uh, many other things in terms of cycles. And it's pretty amazing. Even the year you're in, like every seven years, I'm sure you've heard of the seven-year itch, right? Right. Every seven years, we go through the sun through Saturn. In fact, this matches the days of the week. Sun is Sunday. Moon is Monday. Mars is Tuesday. Wednesday's Mercury. Of course, Thursday's Jupiter. And they named a restaurant after Friday. Thank God it's Friday. So (laughs) Friday is Venus. And Saturday, in the old days, you know, mom was changing the sheets and 
everybody's cleaning on, on Saturdays. And of course, that's Saturn. Of course, in, in the older religions, it was the Sabbath, right? Or the end of the week. And of course, the new day is Sunday. Right. So it's, it, that also follows the years in your life. It follows in relationships and business. So there's a lot of things I look at um, when I'm doing things. The other really fascinating type of astrology is something called interrogation. And interrogation is divinational. Now, the religions have made out astrology to be the work of the devil, and yet there's overwhelming evidence. In fact, I have some historically where some of the popes have been busted studying astrology. In fact, well, sure. One died, and they found a whole corpus under his, his bed, and the pope takes a bath in a, uh, a bathtub surrounded by the zodiac. So the fact that you know they're hiding knowledge and not acknowledging it, the Vatican Library is probably one of the most, uh, it's probably not, if not the most large voluminous collection of occult knowledge is certainly there. Sure. Certainly one of them. Yeah. Well, I think that if, I think if, if the, if the Catholic church and, and the, and every Pope, you know, if people really knew like all the stuff that it went to, I mean, even Dante in the Inferno, right. he's got like three Popes in hell. I, I think it, yeah. you know, and so even they he knew that in the that middle ages. The astrologer Bonatti, but, but Bonatti was in Dante's Inferno and they, he said he would spend the rest of his eternity with his head twisted backwards. You're right. That's good you know about that. The, the uh, Benatti is one of my favorite astrologers. Uh, he was in the uh, 11th century, um, which would be the 1200s. Absolutely astounding stuff. Um, and again, these older documents, and that's actually something more recent, is breathtaking. And I don't know if the food was better or the air was clearer. I, I'm sure both is the case. But man, uh, to do what they did, the trigonometry, the mathematics, it would rival anything being done today by hand. I mean, it's, it's pretty astounding. So let me get down to this real quick. Of what, I, I, what I think you're saying about astrology is like, so, so let's say that uh, you had a, a database that was full of millions of patterns, you know, just like the National Weather Service uses... Uh, a certain amount of, well, last time the barometer was this, and we had this much weather in the days before, and sure. this much humidity and, and everything. They put it all together for, they look at previous patterns to try and predict what the weather yeah, is going to exactly. be like today. So I, what you're saying to me about astrology is that, you know, you have thousands of factors. There's so many factors that go into, and, and patterns traced over time. And you would look into saying, here are the you know patterns traditionally that have been you know looked at for thousands of years in, in Vedic and Egyptian and, and the Kabbalah. And right. here are the conditions coming up. And so by looking at all of these patterns, here's where we're trying to make a prediction about yeah. the conditions are going to be like today. Exactly. And, and you, that's exactly right. Just like an airline pilot does. It's exactly the same thing. If you see... Uh, a particular condition, whether it's clear or challenging, whatever it might be, you're going to fly differently. It, it's like being in an airline. Uh, you, 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 the pilot knows we're going to hit shear winds coming up, folks. Let's put a lid on the coffee or not serve it until here. And they take it to a different altitude, etc. It's a great analogy. And again, I've had so many clients over the year, particularly uh, people, both personal and business, where we have seen these energies and, you know, the golden question always remains, what would have happened had you not done what you'd done? You know, what if you didn't know? Well, there's no way to go back. Everyone's life is so unique. 
But one thing's for sure, these conditions are very, very strong. And they experienced it. Now, the fact that they did so with more, what I would call conscious awareness, probably mitigated it and changed it a lot. Um, I've had so many people too, where they've been depressed, you know, like, God, my life's never going to get better. And I'm like, yeah, will. And it's going to happen right here. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it'll have, you, you have a cycle coming in. You know, I think the coolest thing about astrology is there are major cycles that every single human being will have throughout their life. Sometimes they're repeated. Sometimes they're not. And I, I love when I can give people encouragement saying, Hey, there's always something you can do to make it better. And this is where positive thinking kind of meets this whole thing where, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not just channeling stuff here. I'm looking at math and some people don't have their birth time. And that's where interrogation comes in, where I get questions. People will just ask a question. Is it my best interest to be in this relationship or should I pursue this investment? And that's not your birth chart. I just cast a chart for the moment in time persons break their minds. And you can see with amazing accuracy what the probable outcome is going to be. And belief's not required. It's, it's amazing. I use it in my own life all the time. And we should get a little closer to, uh, you know, what we're talking about today. And uh, while this is not a political show, we are going to be getting into the people who are running for office. It's 2016. It's an election year. That's the main story on the news every single night. And, oh, yeah. You know, something, uh, speaking of politics, one thing I, w- I was uh, wondering about, so Nancy, I mean, Nancy Reagan died this weekend. I'm glad you brought her up. I was just going to bring her up. Yes. And yes. I mean, she famously consulted astrologers for her husband. Is it, it, Am I remembering that correctly? Well, I have a little inside information on that. Okay. Um, Ronald was very well protected. He, he came from Hollywood. And, and I can tell you, Ronald Reagan used to meet an astrologer named Carol Ryder. Carol Ryder, if you look him up and Google him, he's dead now. Um, was a famous Hollywood astrologer on the inside. He used to meet him at Nate Nell's all the time when he was governor of California. And this got shoved off on Nancy because nobody wanted Reagan to be known as integrating with astrology in any way. And, and I'm, I, I honor that. I, in fact, I tell most of my high-profile clients, don't, don't tell anybody you're doing astrology because they'll think you're nuts. So it's, it's a business that has always been kept you know, close to the vest and hidden because the religious zealots will always uh, castigate it and, and say, oh, it's the work of the devil. And, and yet it's been used f- forever uh, with, by generals, kings, emperors, politicians. Now, not all politicians use them, but I have a lot of people in banking, a lot of people in politics who use it. And I can't mention names. Ronald Reagan for sure used it. In fact, he was actually sworn in as governor, not as president, as governor at a very specific time. But you can look it up on the internet. It was like 12.02 midnight or something. And then throughout the White House. And now when he got shot, just recently Fox News had said, oh, you know, uh, you know, Nancy used astrology exclusively after he got that assassination attempt. Right. That's, that's a bunch of Aaron crap. Do you know that Robert Mitchum was a ghost writer? The, the actor, Robert Mitchum. Oh, yeah. No, the, I, the tough guy. Writer. Yeah. He was a ghost writer for the astrologer Carol Ryder. Glenn Ford, Burl Ives, and so, so many others, I can tell you. And they would never let that be known. Never let it be known. Well, I find that you know, interesting because who started Southwest Airlines was, I mean, I'm telling you, this is something that's kept very secret. 
very, you know, private because it's just, you know, it's like your finances. You just don't go tell everybody. And it, it's interesting because what the politician would have said, you know, I needed to consult with my priest on this or whatever, or they, or they talk to a, uh, you know, they talk to a spiritual advisor, you know, like uh, Billy Graham was always a spiritual advisor to somebody in the White House. And Barack Obama has the uh, reverend, you know, the reverence he's associated with over his life. Uh, famously and and so the thing is though i don't know is there a huge difference between talking to an astrologer and talking to a spiritual counselor that comes you know that's well you know what they're one and the same and that's really what i do that's why we, at the beginning of the show you called me a spiritual you know consultant and that's really what i do and i use astrology in concert with it and also spiritual things and i i do a lot of things you know helping mothers with children and and uh, parents in, in clearing properties, because um, I do a lot of work. It's called Vastu. It's very similar to Feng Shui, but it, I think it's more advanced than Feng Shui. In fact, it may be where Feng Shui came from in, in China. Um, but I, And I do clearings of properties with ghosts or entities and, and weird things to alter it and make it better. And I, I can tell you astrology is a part of that. It It, it really... When you go back, uh, speaking of Benati and Dante in the Inferno, um, many of these astrologers were very spiritual. They believed in God. They totally believed in, in many of the scriptures. And, you know, you can actually get your guardian angel from your birth chart. Oh, that's interesting. I, I can do it in Hebrew. Yeah, you, you, as long as the birth chart is accurate. It's, um, it's the guardian angel from this uh, dimension or solar system, if you will. And there's, there's a higher one from the order of the thrones is what it's called. The first there's God, the seraphims, cherubims, and the thrones. So that's the high one. But the, uh, the one we can get from the birth chart actually is derived in Hebrew or Aramaic um, from the ascendant degree. It's pretty amazing. It, and I actually make um, pendants for people with that on there. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. But back to the election thing. Yeah, to, right. to say that, you know, the politicians don't, don't uh, not all of them, but, but I can tell you they do. Speaking of which, you know, this year um, is a crazy year. It's, it's already been crazy, but it's likely to get a lot crazier. Um, I'll bring up. So you've seen some things or, you know, when you were doing the charts for this year, because, right, like it's already been a, a, a media circus, like I, I don't remember in my lifetime. Yep, exactly. Well, and I think Hillary, the report card's not in on her yet. I, I really think, she, and according now, I don't know if I have accurate birth data on these people, but if I do, um, I have... Uh, I, I call her Billary, but uh, right. if, if her birth time is right, somewhere at the end of this month, beginning of April, she's likely to get slammed. Um, I don't think that, you know, we've been hearing on the news that she's, uh, that there actually is a grand jury already in place. It's secretly in place and that the FBI is going to recommend an indictment. If that happens, she's out of the race. There's no way. And the interesting thing is if this birth time is right, I have her, her chart here in front of me, she hits a cycle uh, right at the end of this month, beginning of April, which probably is going to knock her out of the race. And if it doesn't, she's really got some high friends in very high places. Um, as George Carlin said, the owners want her in. Right. Because when I look, <laughs> when I, when I look at... Uh, Hillary's chart, 
she's really smart. I mean, this one, I can see why she's done what she's done. She, she's, she's no dull tool. I'll tell you that she, she has an amazing, um, ability to communicate. She's extremely adept at, at how to preface things and respond to things. And she actually has a somewhat pleasant demeanor as well. The Achilles heel in her chart is she has a nasty conjunction in the 10th house, which in plain English means this one, I tell you what, and I'm, I'm not, I don't have anything against any of these candidates or for, I'm just re, if somebody shoved this chart underneath me, I wouldn't trust this person as far as I could pick her up and throw her. The reason why she is. Right. Um, and as far as the show goes, we don't endorse any particular candidates because we think they're all yeah. reptilians. <laughs> well, this one actually, if she's, not, I don't think she is one, but I, I think she's definitely beholden to him because I'll tell you what, she's got a debilitated Mars, which in plain English means nasty conjunct Saturn in the 10th house. Trust me to tell you this, that is, this is a person who would really not have any problems with being dishonest at all and would actually be a professional at being dishonest. And I think everyone sees that. And, and, and you know, what's interesting is this election is such a huge deal. And I'll tell you why. Okay. There's an ancient astrology that is called the revolutions of the world. And what happened, I went back, this has actually been around for a really, really long time. In fact, there's reports that it was in ancient Babylonia and Egypt, and we actually have documentation to it. In fact, the, the, um, early astrologers in the fourth and fifth century, right when the Nicene councils and all that were convening in Rome, were busy translating all this ancient knowledge because they were afraid it was going to get lost. Well, one of the things that they had in this was something called the revolutions of the world. It's like, okay, when does society really change? So I've been studying this stuff for years, and it's very complex, but it basically is based on the planet Jupiter and the planet Saturn. When they conjoin at zero degrees from Earth's perspective, in a certain condition in the zodiac. And that only happens approximately every thousand years. It's not exact. Um, because our years are a little different than the cycles. Right. Well, the calendar was different back then, right? Before the exactly. Gregorian calendar? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And it, it's hard to get a calendar that's exact because the sole lunar one is actually the best because of the, the, the timing and all that with, with the cycles and synodic cycles of the moon and the sun. But anyway, long story short, the last big change was in the early 1700s, which ushered in the whole mass manufacturing. Of course, Benjamin Franklin is one who's credited, but steam was invented. The whole advanced techniques in the whole industrial revolution was underway, basically from the early 1700s forward. And of course, we had trains by the late 1700s, early 1800s. They were pounding it across the United States and Europe. Long story short, the, the next cycle is a 240-year interval, which happens exactly in 2020. And this one is really interesting because I remember back... Um, Does that mean we can look forward to the singularity happening soon enough? Well, we, we can, and whoever gets to be president, and I, and I think, you know... You know, you don't need a, any astrology to tell you we're not only is the United States about 19 trillion plus in that going on 20. What a lot of people don't talk about 
and, and this is one that's really to be watched. Deutsche Bank is kind of the nuclear reactor of the Western banking system. And I think they, they, featured, they featured Deutsche Bank in that movie, The Big Short, right? Like, uh, I, I think that's yeah. the company that oh, yeah. it's um, huge. It, it's huge. Ryan Gosling works for. Yeah, I, I, I've got clients who are in some pretty high places in banking. And in fact, some of them have worked with Bernanke and Yellen. And what's interesting is, um, and I can't mention names. But of course. That we are probably a lot, lot closer to a hundred trillion plus in debt when you look at the collective Western banking system. And the mystery is, you know, everyone thinks the Fed prints the money. Well, they actually do print the money. But where is all this money really coming from? Where is this magical bank in the sky that it's all printed from? And it's it's this collage of the whole Western banking system which seems to be interacting between London, Deutsche Bank, and here. And the Chinese and the Russians and the whole BRICS nation have certainly been testing alternatives to not only the SWIFT transfer, but also making you know, the, the uh, Chinese you know, uh, dollar become the new, new de facto standard. Right. That is something that's really on the horizon. And I think why this relates so much to the, the uh, upcoming election is whoever sits in the White House is going to be at the effect of this. And, and I use that word effect because <clears throat> I don't think presidents run this country. I really don't. Um, they're at the effect. It's like Rockefeller said, you give me control of the money. I don't care who makes the laws. Uh, well, you made, the, you made the George Carlin comment before, you know, when he talked about the owners. And that's the, yeah, right. the at the end of that routine, I think, is he says, uh, that's why they call it the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. That's right, yeah. yeah. George was a character. I knew George. I actually recorded George once. He was a character. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, George was, George was awesome. Uh, he, was a, he was actually funnier in person than he was, if you can believe it, uh, um, in, in front of the crowd. Oh, that's great. Absolute genius. Uh, absolute genius. But anyways, um, I, I think what's going to happen is the... Um, we are at a turning point in, in the entire world. Now, anyone would agree with me. You don't need astrology. You don't need cycles. You don't need anything to know that. Every financial you know, expert who knows anything knows we are way past being able to pay this off. And I think Trump appeals to everyone because he's trying to hold the torch saying, you know, I'm going to get in there and make some real changes. And, you know, the quote George, if you ever want to watch George's best work, he, he, in fact, this is a perfect thing to listen to during this election year. Go Google George Carlin language complaints. He was actually invited to Washington, D.C. Okay. to give a talk on how politicians twist the language. And one of his lines in there was, you know, after all these politicians make recommendations and do all these different things, now they have to do something. And then he looks into the camera and says, but that would be much too direct. And see, I think <laughs> but when you look at Washington, it's so political and, and tied down with red tape. Nobody can do anything. Nobody can get anything direct done. Sure. And that, that's the appeal of Donald Trump because he you know, goes is. in there. And, I, you know, speaking of Trump's chart, when I look at Trump's chart, I first saw Donald has Mars in the ascendant. He is a fighter. This guy is definitely a brash, harsh guy. And, but then I looked a little bit deeper, and he has, in ancient astrology, one of the classic 
yogas or what we call classic conditions to be a leader or an emperor was to have the ruler of the ascendant in the 10th house of career. Well, Trump not only has that, he has it in spades, since we don't want to use Trump's. Um, he, <laughs> he, he has the sun in the 10th, but he's also got the moon's north node, and it's aspected by Jupiter. Plain English, he is very abrasive, but on the other hand, you know, he said some things clearly that, that he's not going to be able to do. Not that he won't try and do them, but the bureaucratic red tape in Washington is so locked up, I don't think you can just you know, wave your hand and say, go get it done. Right. You know, no, th you, there's so especially, much. Especially when place. it's a wall on the southern border of the United States. Right. That'll be a little like, okay, good luck with that. But I think what appeals to everybody about Trump is what shows up in his chart. He really has leadership ability. And to his defense, not that I'm endorsing him or whatever, the guy's really smart. Now, granted, what he could do in his own company by you know hiring and firing someone, he's he's not going to apply the apprentice techniques in Washington quite as effectively as he did on his TV show. Right. But he may he may actually get in, and they have done everything they can do to stop this guy. They are creating. You know, they're talking now. He's a Nazi and this and that and all his followers. I I, I just. I think what's happening is there is a whole, I'll just use it this way, not to sound conspiratorial, but of course. there's a whole bunch of people running this place that are not necessarily of Washington. They're influencing it. Sure. And everybody knows that everybody, you know, it's not that hard to track down. And, and what's interesting is Trump seems to be the torch that everyone believes will at least throw a dent into it. And actually, you know what, looking at his chart, he actually might. Is there anything in his chart that shows like, you know, I mean, some people are saying, you know, obviously they, they throw the Hitler thing out right away. Like, Oh, it's just I'm like, well, I mean, he, I think Donald Trump probably has plenty of uh, Jewish friends, and but but at the same time, oh yeah, he does. No, is there anything in his chart that says you know that says anything about his political beliefs? Like everybody's like, well, he's just he's just telling people uh, anything that they want to hear, and he's you know he's using people's what abilities. I, I couldn't hear you. Oh, is he using? Uh, I mean, is there anything in his chart about him just you know his his the malleability? of his beliefs that is there anything in there about what he believes actually is it conservative is it liberal um a lot of people are saying that he's just saying what people want to hear well they all they're all going to do that of course i mean you really see human nature during an election year i mean everybody's rolling their eyes i'd have to say this is a guy that's a lot more honest than hillary i, I would definitely say that and i tell you in terms of adaptability, this is a guy that is likely to learn fast, really learn fast. And he, you know, he's not a politician and being a businessman versus being in the bureaucratic red tape. It's, it's almost like having a Gordian knot behind you uh, with your hands tied behind your back in Washington because of the policies, the, years upon years upon years of everybody being bought and paid for. I, I love right. George Carlin's line when he says, how much soft money can I take for my core values? Cause that's pretty much what politicians <laughs> do. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's well known. And that's one of the things Trump has, has run on is the fact that he 
he's not being bought by anyone. And I think that's exactly what's scaring everyone and why he's getting the smear he is. I, I would just say his astrology shows this is actually a pretty favorable guy. He hits a cycle this October and another one this summer. I don't know if they're going to be able to stop him. I think they're going to really keep trying and they're going to smear, smear, smear. But I think this guy just may make it work. And if Billary gets indicted, which I, I, all, all indications here seem to show that she will. Um, if my birth time is off a little bit in her chart, I would say it'll just delay it one way or another. But I, I, I think she's likely to get her wings clipped here. And if that's the case, if Trump against Bernie, I think it's, it's over. Speaking of Bernie Sanders, now in Madison, yeah. Wisconsin, where I am, I mean, they practically call him Saint Bernie. I get well. I, I guess I wouldn't call him Saint Bernie. I, I got to tell you, I like Bernie's chart. I really do. Um, and when I looked at his chart, he's actually, I think, a well-meaning guy. I think his policies, and he's also very, very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, his policies are a little bit out there. Um, I, I just don't think, you know, you, who knows? Uh, I, I just don't see him winning. He, he's not in the. Um, his chart doesn't show it. There's nothing in here that would show that he's likely to be the president of the United States. There's no like favorable signs. Like all of a sudden his chart, you know, the stars get aligned <laughs> at the beginning of November or anything like that. There's well, it's nothing. Cycles. It's it's cycles. And and you know, speaking of which, um, let me go back to this because I actually have the uh, inauguration day. It's interesting. Uh, Obama's first inauguration, he was sworn in on a void, of course, moon. And that is a really strange time. It's like nothing will happen and of consequence and nothing has. I mean, the only thing that has happened is we've like tripled our debt. Well, I, that, that, that's an interesting thing. So the idea that his inauguration day um, there was no signs of that something momentous was going to happen from that oh, inauguration. None. And I thought it was great that we had a black president, you know, we could get past racism. I, all that's great. And, and Obama's a really smart guy, but he has done nothing to unify the country. In fact, I think he's divided it. There's been more division, uh, subvertly. And you know, I, I could tell you some stories about Obama. I've actually got a couple of clients. One of them went to Harvard with him and another one I know met him at Occidental. So some interesting stories about that guy. He's a very unusual guy. I'll just say that. And I think he was, he knew he was going to be president back in the eighties. Now that's a very interesting thing to be saying to someone when it's, you know, 20 something years before it happens. Right. Well, I mean, and it worked. He was, I mean, two terms and, um, you know, yeah. so obviously the his the, the owners put him in that that last election. I think Romney was told to throw it just like a prize fighter. You're going to throw this fight, and I think he you know and Trump nailed him on that. He actually said he just walked off the set at, at, at basically the last month of the election, and he did. I think he was told to throw it, and when you have the Diebold voting machines which, by the way, George Soros' company owns, I don't believe you can get a completely honest election in this country. And it's nothing new. If you look back over the last couple hundred years, there's been some real questionable practices employed with uh, elections. And well, the idea... It's easier and, now than ever before. And, and, and also the, the idea that, um, you know, there you look at... Uh, major, you know, policies and legislation and everything that's gone through 
uh, over the past few decades, there was a there was a great survey done. I think they did it at Princeton of the way um, polls of American people's opinions versus the policies that went through, and right. <laughs> they never they never <laughs> oh, yeah. matched up. But it always no. matched up to being favorable for some kind of business or something. You know, I mean, to to, to get like George said, the game is rigged, folks. You know? Right. <laughs> you know, it really is. The tables are tilted. You know, I mean, the American dream was pretty much spot on, and I think that hit such a chord with so so many people. Um, you know, knowing George personally, I can tell you, George had his writing studio right across from his house. Uh, in fact, George lived kitty corner from OJ Simpson. I remember when all that stuff happened with OJ, I was, I was over there and with, George's with house, another Wisconsin, great Cato Kalen, <laughs> another uh, yeah. Wisconsinite. Yeah. Well, well, George and Brenda, his first wife, they, they just packed up and left. They said it was so crazy, but, but George, when he wrote the American dream, you know, meeting him, I really think he, he did believe in God. A lot of people don't think he did because he, he busts on religion, Yes, he did. but, um, I, I really do. And, and I just think he was disgusted with the rhetorical crap that goes on. And I think no place do you see it more than in politics. I, I can't imagine why a guy like Donald Trump, who has billions, would even want to be president. I mean, it's, it's like taking a Q-tip and throwing it in the mud puddle. You know, it's, it's like, wow. Well, speaking of his Republican opponents, you know, like Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio. Yeah, Ted Cruz, I got his chart. And, and that guy, I mean, that's, that's an interesting study here. This guy, I, I just don't see him making it, even though he's doing fairly well. He is in a debilitated Saturn period. And there's another guy, and I'm not in any way favoring these cats. I'm just reading the charts. Sure. I wouldn't trust him farther. I could pick him up and heave him either. Um, I think, I think Trump scares the hell out of Washington and the people who really do run this place, because <clears throat> I don't think they're going to be able to control them. And I, I tell you what, they'll shoot them. Now they, the last two guys that tried to print money, which was Lincoln and Kennedy, both got shot and they both tried to print uh, U.S. Treasury bonds. In fact, there's uh, historical evidence to it. Oh. Um, and, and Trump ain't bulletproof. And, and I can tell you, you know, he better not switch airline pilots. It, 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 it's, he's smart enough to, to probably adapt. <clears throat> Anybody who gets into this system, and, you know, Washington is nothing more than an Egyptian temple. If you look at there was a French architect that designed it. In fact, Washington, D.C. is not even technically in the United States. It's called the District of Columbia. Right. They have, they have their own special thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's interesting, too, because when you look at the, like the Washington Monument as an obelisk, and everything. That's and right. When you go to Paris, you obelisk see that the obelisks that they, they took from Egypt, you know, that the, 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 the oh, it's an Egyptian temple without right. question. Anybody who, who wanted it, they should go read the book talisman, which is all about the American roots and the French architect that created it. Um, it's steeped in masonry. It's steeped in all kinds of occult stuff. Um, they knew it was going to be the power center of the world. Um, you know, when you get into the Knights Templar and you get into secret society, there's some interesting stuff that goes right back to King Solomon, Egypt, um, all of this ancient, ancient stuff. Well, would you say that, you know, for people, you know, you were just saying like they, they, they knew that Washington, D.C. would be the power center of the world. Would you say that people should maybe like if they think about they're having a kid, you know, is, is there better places for you that you could go to birth your child that might increase 
the success the success of the birth or you know things like that. Well, it's more time. You know, yeah, you could do that, but that wouldn't work as well. What really matters is you can do that. But yes, absolutely, you can pick a time. I actually do a lot of conception elections for women. My child, we actually had our child. We conceived them with astrology, and more importantly, we actually had him at a certain day and time because she had to go C-section. She had to induce. Sure. So a lot of people want their child naturally, and I totally respect that. But when you know you have an opportunity, it's it's the timing. It's absolutely amazing how accurate it is. And um, you know, again, you so did you did you guys fun. like set it up so your kid wouldn't be disobedient or something like that? Were you like, okay, we uh, five o'clock? Well, that means he's gonna be he's gonna be really good in kindergarten. Well, it's not that you don't have that much power. You're more at the effect of something. See, electional astrology is a whole other world. We use that for filing corporations and, and marriages and all that. So what you have to do is find, it's like a stop and go light. You find when energies are present that are favorable. And that's, you can't control when a woman's pregnant you know, that she has to have the child, you, you, you know, if she has to induce or you're going C-section, yes, you can slide it as much as a week or so one way or another. But in general, you know, if you're working with the doctors, which someone should be when they're pregnant, um, it's, it's important to kind of realize you're going to get what's there, but there's always lunar aspects and ascending aspects that you can get that are really favorable. And, you know, that, that's it. Like I had a window with my, my boy, you know, Camille said, I, my, my wife said, I have to induce. And I, she says, when would be a window within this amount of days? The doctor okay. says, I have to have a button. And I said, oh, this is perfect. So I pick the best day out of that window. I do this all the time for surgery elections where people will go in for elective surgeries, whatever it might be. And I'll say, don't tell the doctor using astrology. Though some doctors like it. Most don't. Right. Um, and what I do is I just say, get the, you know, Wednesdays, he's not going to be on the golf course and we'll pick the best one. And then they'll go in on that one. So, you know, you kind of are at the effect of what's up there. You know, I don't have a spaceship to go up there and move stuff around. I wish I did. But. Right. Of course. But looking at that, looking at the candidates, take Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Now they're all yeah. in the upper sixties and Bernie's the oldest at I think he's seventy two. No, he's seventy four and a half. He's actually seventy four years old, six months right now. Okay. He's so, born in nineteen forty one. Nineteen forty one. All right. So you have upper upper sixties and seventies for um Yeah, Trump is sixty nine. He's gonna be seventy this June. And and Hillary, I believe is six I mean, she's in her late sixties. Hillary is, uh, she's 68, four months and 13 days. So this October, she'll be 69. Now, is there the kind of difference between, you know, the older candidates versus a younger guy like Marco Rubio or, you know, or Ted Cruz, who's also much younger or, I mean, even Barack Barack Obama is 45. Right. And, and Ted Ted Cruz is born in 70. And when you think about that. You know, are there any particular years or time frames that seem to be more auspicious for leadership and where the country is going than other? It would it be preferable if we have one of the older candidates versus the younger candidates? You know, eventually make it to the end. Does the the chart say anything like that? Well, 
I don't get, um, you know, again, Hillary and Ted Cruz out of, out of the whole lot. Those are the two that have much more questionable charts. I've heard rumors that Hillary is not real healthy. And I would, I would probably buy that based on her chart. She's in what we call a debilitated sun period, which in plain English means up until 2021, she's not in real good shape. So, I mean, she looks fairly healthy, but there's been rumors that she's had, you know, fainting issues, um, she could have some real health issues too coming up from basically this spring forward, uh, the end of this month. In she hits a period that's not good for her up until two seventeen. So when I look at her and then I look at Cruz, those are the two that show up probably the most. I would say Trump looks pretty good, and so far as I can tell, Bernie Sanders looks pretty darn good too. Um, How about Marco Rubio? Sanders Marco Rubio, I, I haven't spent a lot of time on him only because I don't think he's going to get in. I, right. I think he's pretty much at the last gasp. Rubio looks like health-wise he's fine. Um, Rubio is very emotional. I, I, I don't, you know, when I look at these candidates and I just look at the astrology, and again, I'm not favoring anyone. If I had to say who had the most bulletproof leadership abilities, I would have to actually say it's Trump just looking at the chart. Again, I'm not endorsing or favoring him. I'm just looking at the astrology. He has the most powerful chart, bar none. Now, great. He's a little bombastic. He's certainly arrogant and pushy, and he pisses off a lot of people. But when I look at the chart, he's got the classic leadership chart, and he hits a cycle. In fact, Trump hits a cycle that's never happened before in his life. He has the what we call primary directed sun um, conjuncting the ascendant or the ascendant conjuncting the sun. Um, one of the oldest types of astrology, which matriculated up out of Egypt, is something called primary directions. Basically, the first six hours after the soul is tied into the body, you will hit every aspect you'll hit in the, in the next 90 years, in the first six hours after birth. Okay. And these are very ancient type of astrology. It's, it's literally directing what we call the Eastern horizon by one degree of ascension equals a year. And when I look at Trump, these things are complex matters. I don't know that I have an exact birth time on Trump. That's the problem. See, I, I don't know that any of the data is 100% trustable on this, but if it's close, Trump clearly has the ascendant by primary direction conjuncting his son in the 10th house. Plain English, that's the kind of stuff that usually makes it happen. And That's interesting. So we I think don't get we, that with, with Hillary. So you think that the, the, the charts right now, as far yeah. as they favor, uh, I mean, so Hillary, you think, go through a bad period. Donald Trump's on a good period. And Bernie Sanders, the charts show that he's a, probably a stand-up guy, but they don't, do they show like... Yeah, it does. I, I actually like his chart. I, I think this is the kind of guy I'd go have coffee with. He's, he's a nice guy. He really is. And what, uh, here's to, interestingly enough, both Sanders and Trump have the same kind of energy. They both have the sun in the 10th house with the North Node, which means they both truly have leadership capabilities. They, they really do. I mean, that's another classic leadership chart here. And, you know, a guy, again, a guy at almost 75 years old who's out there pounding the campaign trail like he's doing. You know, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, he's got to be a high energy guy. 
Yeah, I mean, think about it. He's, he's almost 70. He's going to be 75 this September. September 8th is his birthday. So, you know, I, I could tell you, man, I mean, that's that's a lot of stress. And, and all these candidates, when they start getting in their late 60s, early 70s, you know, that, that's a lot of work to be on the road constantly like mm-hmm. that. And um, I would tell you that tr- Trump... As far as I can tell, the birth date is all correct. And, and another thing I've been casting is, is something called interrogations. He seems to be the one that's going to prevail. That's the best I can get right now. He seems to be the one that's going to kind of lop across the finish line. I really think the owners want Billary in. I, I really do. I, sure. I think she will carry on the agenda that's been in place. Uh, not to sound conspiratorial, but there is an agenda in place. And I think uh, Trump will be sat down if he does get in and they'll play him a little video called the JFK haircut and say, this is what happens to <laughs> folks who don't listen to this. <laughs> well, what, what exactly is an interrogation? First of all, it's a good joke. I'm going to use that sometime. But uh, oh, yeah. so, uh, interrogations. Like, what exactly is that? Is that, is that when you, you're kind of looking to the charts with a question in mind? It's exactly what it is. In fact, that's precisely what it is. What happens, see, the reason we have sunrise, noon, sunset, and midnight is because of the rotational nature of the earth, right? So that's the sun isn't rising and cumulating and setting, and it's not doing that. We are. We're rolling around the axis. So the point is, that's moving quite fast. In fact, we're doing about 1,600 miles, just a little under Mach 2 on the axis. And that's validated in a lot of places. So the, it does vary slightly depending on latitude, north and south. But here's the point, is that when you cast a chart based on, you can't use astrology to figure out when to cast the chart. You use consciousness to figure out when to cast the chart. So you cast a chart based on a need-to-know basis. The eastern horizon and its ruler represents the querent or the person posing the question. Whatever you're asking about represents the house. There, there's 12 houses and you'd have to understand astrology. And see, this is where ancient astrology is superior because they have many complex divisions. Now, the astronomers laugh at astrology because they say the constellations don't line up. And you know what? They're right. They don't. They never did. And the interesting thing is it's a spiritual matrix. And that's provable. And, and I'm always laughing at these shows on the Bible. They, they never talk about the permutations. You can't do this in Latin. You can't do it in English. But if you go back to Aramaic and Hebrew, there are specific permutations, particularly in Exodus and the Psalms and other places that line up precisely with the angels that are named in the Zodiac. But this stuff has been long neutered and thrown in the, uh, in the dungeon underneath the Vatican in other places, because they don't want anybody knowing that. And I can tell you it's a spiritual matrix. And why I'm bringing this up is because you have to, the ancient astrology allows very specific ways to read an interrogation chart to derive at what the answer is. And it's, it's using geometry and it's using a much more ancient zodiac than anything today. Okay. Plus Linda Goodman's heart and the sun signs, but it it doesn't work. Well, Jeff, I got to say that this has been a fascinating interview. I've really enjoyed talking and learning all about this stuff because I'm I'm not a 
I, I know very little about astrology, so it's really fun to get into the, the various kinds. And the, yeah, it's, it's, it's complex stuff. You know, d- just to say another note on this, um, I've got a lot of friends who are hard scientists, but one in particular is Dr. Claude Swanson. Um, and back to what you were bringing up earlier, there is scientific data and databases that have been run, like the Gawkelin um calculations, which essentially profile different like database placements or average placements in a birth chart. Is this person an athlete? Is this person a businessman? Is this person a psychiatrist? Is this person a murderer? Is this person, you know, whatever it is. Um, and it showed up amazingly accurate. In fact, most of the historical documents that we have in astrology today came from skeptics. There was a man back in the 8th century, whose name was Abu Mashar. He scoffed at astrology. This is a bunch of crap. And uh, it was either him or Mashal, I can't remember which one. And mm-hmm. he was in what we call the House of Wisdom, which was the Arabian um, sultans had said, if we don't translate this information from ancient Egypt and Babylonia, we're going to lose it. They called them holy wars. I don't know what's holy about any war, but right. um, the wars, or so-called holy wars, were decimating the ancient culture and knowledge. So they had translated a lot of this stuff. And long story short, it's amazing how how detailed and um, accurate it is when you use these techniques. It's not something someone can learn overnight. It takes years to learn it, but it's it's amazing stuff. And yes, we have free will. But we also, just like the weather, we're influenced by it. And I think when you use a common sense approach where you say, okay, I'm going to look at the influences upon me, and then I'm going to do something about it. Because our free will, and God is above astrology. In fact, Gandhi said something I really love. Gandhi said when God created the law of karma, he could sit back and let the souls play. And I really think that fits the ancient astrology. You're seeing energies that we may have actually created that unfold. Like the reason we have the parents we have and the brothers and the sisters and the bosses and all the spouses, sometimes it's very challenging and maybe yeah, it's yeah. just it's playing out. Well, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting thought. Um, and I'm also, I'm also think that uh, you brought up some interesting perspectives. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens to Hillary in April. So that will that will be exciting. Is it going to be the emails? Is it going to be a bombshell? And that's yeah. I, I mean, it's it's leaning that way. It, it really is. The only way I'm going to be off in time in timing, and that's fitting pretty accurately with what we're hearing in terms of the investigation and everything else. And she's of course downplaying it. Of course, she's an attorney, right? Of course, she knows how to downplay. Yeah, I would say. Even if the birth time's off, it looks like it's right around the corner. Okay, so that's that'll be interesting. And so all my all my Bernie Sanders supporting friends in Madison. So look forward to that. Look forward to that. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I like Bernie. I, I think he's. I think personally, he's a good guy. I don't know about his policies, but I think he's a good guy. Sure. You know, and Donald Trump. They say he doesn't really have any, but he may learn them. <laughs> you know, I think Trump is just a guy who's going to get in there and try and do his best. Um, but I think anybody who gets in there is going to find that's like immersing yourself into the uh, chamber of horrors when it comes to undoing <laughs> half the stuff that's there. <laughs> right. Well, I think, I think yeah. that's interesting too. So, uh, you know, like people, jello, you know? <laughs> people were like that Donald Trump could never happen, but all, you know, the, the signs are auspicious 
for the Donald this year. So so we're going to see what happens. It really does. And, and I'm just being objective here. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But either way, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, Jeff. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to see uh, what you're all about, maybe get on your newsletter or uh, ask you some more questions about astrology, where can they do that? Uh, it's Jeff at JeffHarman.com. So, uh, we and that's A N, not O N. It's H A R M A N dot com. And we're going to have that Jeff in the show notes Jeff too. Harman. We're going to have a link yeah. directly at uh, othersidepodcast.com slash 84 is where you're going to be able to get that information uh, from Jeff. And you can find it and you can check out his website and stuff like that. So, thanks very much, Jeff. Very informative today. Oh, you bet. And best of luck on your music. You know, no matter what the stars say, uh, don't take that anything as a particular endorsement for any political candidate. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> so uh, Jeff was an interesting character and uh, learned some new things about astrology today. Right. So uh, the song, since we are in election year, mm-hmm. and uh, this our song, Dangerous Times, does talk about the stars colliding and living in dangerous times. We thought this would be an appropriate one for our election year astrology special, Dangerous Times.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. It sounded to me like naughty astrology.